Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Voice and the host of Inside Personal Growth. And I want to thank all my listeners who come from around the world to listen to the words of wisdom from our authors. And today joining me is Brian Robertson. And Brian has a new book out. And that book is called Holacracy, The New Management System for a Rapidly Changing World Forward by a good friend of mine, David Allen, who I've known for years and years and years. Good day to you, Brian. How you doing? Hey, I'm great. Thanks for having me, Greg. Well, it's a, a pleasure having you on Inside Personal Growth, and it's a pleasure learning more about Holacracy. Um, it's an interesting name. I'll bet you most of my listeners out there don't have a clue of what it's about. Um, but I'm going to let them know. I'm going to give them a little bit of clue about who you are first, and then we'll go from there. Uh, Brian created Holacracy and founded Holacracy One, the organization that is training people and companies all over the world in this new system. Uh, Brian has previously launched a successful software company where he first introduced the principles that would become Holacracy, making him not just a management theorist, theorist, but someone who has successfully implemented the Holacracy-powered organization. Uh, He lives in Philadelphia, and his website is holacracybook.com, and I'll spell that for my listeners. It's H-O-L-A-C-R-A-C-Y book.com. You can learn more about Brian. There's a great video on there, um, several testimonials. Um, But this is quite an interesting book, so we're just going to dive right into it, Brian. You, right at the beginning of this book, and also on your videos, I've noticed, um, you like to tell this story about being a solo plane flight that you took, you know, after 20 hours of um, actually um, instruction, and you were flying across the country. And I want you to tell the story, because the story really does do a good job to let kind of our listeners know about, you know, what's going on, not only what happened in that plane, but what happens in organizations many times. Yeah, this was a true story from my own journey as a student pilot. And, uh, you know, I I realized I learned one of my most important business lessons on the day I nearly crashed an airplane. Uh, And the story was, uh, I was up for my first uh, cross-country flight, which is when you fly hundreds of miles away from your home airport. Uh, solo with no instructor, and first time I'd done that. And uh, on the journey, the low voltage light comes on on my instrument panel. And, you know, they don't teach student pilots much about the hardware. <laughs> I really didn't know how this thing worked, barely knew how to fly it. So my instinct when that low voltage light comes on is first to, you know, question the readings. I tap the light, and <laughs> that doesn't change anything. Uh, so my next instinct is to check all of my other instruments. And, you know, one by one, I, I look at every other instrument on my, my panel, my altimeter, my fuel gauge, my navigation, and every one of them says, everything's fine and you're, you're on track, right? So I'm on course for my navigation. I'm not losing altitude. My airspeed's great. Yeah, everything looks good except for the low voltage light. So, you know, what I did uh, seemed like it made sense at the time, uh, which was <laughs> I, I said it must not be that big of a problem, right? Because no other instrument is reading anything off. So I'm just going to ignore it, assume it's a minor issue, and keep flying. 
And that's what I did. And it, it turns out that, that that's actually a really bad decision. Yeah. <laughs> um, I nearly crashed the plane as a result. It, it was actually the low voltage light was tuned in the key information that I needed to integrate as a pilot. And I ignored it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did so at my own peril. It could have cost me my life. Um, and, you know, I realized uh, I did make it down barely. I ended up completely lost, violating international airspace in a storm. It was really, really bad. But I, I did eventually make it down. And um, when I did, I, I realized, oh, my God, I'm doing the same thing in my business. Um, as a leader, you know, I have all of these people in my organization that are sensing different things. And they're all tuned in to different types of information. You know, they, they have different talents, different backgrounds, different roles. Uh, they all sense different things. And often when one person senses something that maybe I don't directly experience myself, uh, I tend to turn to others. And if no one else senses it, I say, it must not be that big of a deal, right? And, and not every time, but I do that often enough that I'm lucky I haven't crashed my business. Uh, and, and so yeah, the moral, we do this all the time. So kind of the moral of the story for our listeners who are running businesses or in middle management is really that instrument panel uh, that was blinking at you saying, hey, you had low voltage. You need to pay attention, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't I don't sense voltage myself. That's not the kind of information I'm tuned into. Right. But that instrument does. And the same is true in our companies. Our people tune into information that sometimes we as leaders don't. You know, and, and sometimes all the other people around them, none of those other instruments understood the voltage thing, but all that mattered is the one instrument that was most tuned into that did, and they it, it saw something, you know, and we see that in businesses too. And yeah, uh, you and know, you know, a guiding metaphor for me. Oh, great metaphor. But you, you know, you state you've always been fascinated with about how we as human beings organize as individuals to work together. And I have to admit, I've had the same fascination. I do uh, consulting as well inside businesses. So I have the, a very similar fascination and a background in psychology. Um, what makes forming as what you refer to this holacracy different? And what do you really define as a holacracy for um, our listeners out there going, what the heck does this word mean? You know, where do I find more about it? Yeah, so holacracy is a very specific method for running an organization. So uh, it's a set of uh, processes, and uh, there's meeting processes in there, there's decision-making methods, and there's an organizational structure that's used. Um, And you can actually find a lot more about that both in the book and then on holacracy.org. There's a bunch of of educational material as well. and in short, it's, it's, uh, it has several components. One is a different way of capturing uh, jobs. So instead of the outdated job description, which is, you know, I, I don't know about you, but uh, in most businesses I've been in, I don't run and look at my job description multiple times a day to get really good clarity on what do I need to, to focus on. You know, right. they're, they're kind of out of date. They're bureaucratic artifacts. Right. And Holacracy replaces job descriptions. Uh, with something much more uh, real-time updated and, and grounded and concrete and relevant to the work. Uh, they're called role descriptions, and you fill many roles, like in real life, not just one job for you, but you might fill 10 or 20 roles in your company. And each one is a really uh, has a specific format for how to capture that work that keeps it really real, really grounded, really concrete. Uh, and then to keep that you know, from getting out of date and becoming a bureaucratic artifact, there's a process that every team engages in, not just the top, but every team, for updating those role descriptions based on what we're learning together as a team. So they stay real and they stay concrete. It's, it's 
you know, when we're doing work and something gets in the way of the work, there's something to learn. And, you know, there's a low voltage light to pay attention to. And one of the things we can do is update the, the concrete description of who's going to do what, who makes which decisions, what should we be paying attention to, um, and and kind of evolve those those records, the governance records, we call them. Well, we do that in a governance meeting. I always like the analogy that uh, Margaret Wheatley used to give around living organism. I mean, the reality is, yeah. is that an organization is truly this living organism, and it's not something that's static where you write this on a piece of paper and you go, well, yeah, great, that's my job description, because they morph so much during... Uh, an employment or an engagement somewhere. And you redistribute authority as well in the formation of holacracy, which is, now this this is probably one of the bigger elements is this redistribution of authority. And it's quite a shift for most businesses and definitely a huge shift for CEOs of companies and I would think the upper management. How do you recommend shifting authority uh, for more efficiency with inside of an organization without upsetting it too much? Yeah, well, the first thing you've got to have is is what we actually just talked about, a process for keeping uh, kind of the, the living nature of an organism, of an organization. You've got to have living job descriptions or role descriptions in Holacracy. Uh, but once you do, if you have uh, a role and everyone can look at it and see what they're counting on you for and what authority you have, that doesn't do you any good if you have a micromanaging boss who keeps coming in and saying, no, you really don't have autonomy. You've got to do things the way that makes sense to them. So Holacracy comes with then some kind of rules of the game in order to protect your autonomy when you have a role. So we can all take part in this this process for updating those roles, but once we give you a role and it's clear, we can change it at any time, but until we do, it's yours to lead. And to make that happen with Holacracy, there's a constitution, and uh, it kind of takes the place of the typical micromanaging boss who can jump in and tell you what to do, uh, if you think of that kind of like the dictator of a small country, uh, there's a shift to a constitutional power structure that restricts the authority of that previously micromanaging boss to jump in and tell you what to do. Uh, They have a way to change your role description, just like everyone else does. We can all take part in that process. But when it's your role, it's yours to lead. And uh, we know what we can count on you for, because that's part of that role. But you have autonomy. And Nobody gets to just, uh, you know, hide behind the boss told me to do it or look to the boss to defer their own power and leadership and instead just, you know, let somebody else direct them. Everyone has the burden, the duty of leadership of their role. They're part of the, the company. Yeah, it's And a, that's all done through a constitution. You, you know, you mentioned that this holacracy takes some of the organizational design functions that traditionally would have resided at the top with the CEO or an executive team places them into the processes that are enacted throughout the organization with everyone in the organization. And you, you know, you use this governance system. Um, talk to us about the importance of governance and, and as it relates to this new management system and the shifting of authority. Yeah, definitely. So I, I like to think of governance as kind of the, it's the learning mechanism. Um, you know, in most companies, the way things work around here is very static and it's very hard to influence. You know, and imagine you're in a company and you see a process that you know it could be better and you even see maybe how it should be better. And good luck getting that change enacted uh, if you're just one member of the team, right? It's really hard to kind of change the way things work around here. Even more so when it's not an explicit process, it's just 
kind of something that's not even written down. It's just the way things work, right? And I think what governance does, having an explicit governance process, and in holacracy that means there's a regular meeting that happens in every team for it, and there's a decision-making method that happens within it. And what it does is allow people to change the way things work around here. So you can go into that governance process and say, you know, this this uh, you know business process has a hole in it, and it's it's uh, we keep something keeps dropping through the cracks, you know, or here's an inefficiency that could be better, or a way to better serve the, the customer and express the purpose of our company. Um, whatever it, it is that you're sensing, instead of just getting stuck by the way things work around here, a good governance process gives you a way to change it. Mm-hmm. And for that to actually work, it cannot just happen on the top. It has to be distributed. It has to happen in every team. Um, you can't put the burden of changing the way the entire company works on some executive team. It doesn't work. Uh, we've tried that, and we get big reorgs every few years, and, and they cause more harm than they, they solve. Uh, instead, holacracies like micro-reorganizations that happen in every team every few weeks. Um, and, and that lets the team actually learn together and change that kind of, you know, just momentum they have of uh, the inertia of the way things work around here. Uh, well, now, so very yeah, important process. Now, you implemented Holacracy in, in some major companies, but one of them is Zappos, which everybody knows. And, you know, since you've implemented this and got the rah-rahs, because I watched the video with the, with the Zappo team, what have been the benefits to Zappos? Zappos was pretty bleeding edge before you came in there with relation to how the culture was. And obviously now with you in there, there's there's a shift in there with the employees. What have you significantly seen? Because this is a perfect example for our listeners who are working with inside of an organization. Um, a ch- shift with the culture, the organization, the efficiency, and almost every element of that organization. Yeah, it's it's been really cool to watch what they've done. And, you know, Holacracy certainly helped them, but really I think Zappos is the, the hero of the story. They they had the courage to go from not just a business that was struggling, but from a business that was actually booming. Like, they're, they're an incredibly successful organization in, yeah. in every measure. And to say, we're not just going to rest on our success, we're going to push it to another another level and a next step. And so for them to have that, that just boldness was amazing. And uh, what uh, one of the reasons they did it was they recognized they had this entrepreneurial culture uh, where people had a lot of input, a lot of freedom already, and yet they were growing. And that creates an interesting challenge because as most companies grow, bureaucracy sets in. You know, they lose their entrepreneurial uh, innovation, their creativity, and people find it harder and harder to change things in the organization and to use their voice and to be part of leading this company. And it just gets harder and harder as you grow. And so Zappos said, we're not going to wait till that happens. You know, we're at 1,500 employees, but we're, we're, we're growing quick. We're going to now put in place the, the framework and the groundwork to continue the, the entrepreneurial culture, even as we, we scale. And for them, that was one of the major uh, drives for self-organization and holacracy, which is, uh, you know, how do we make sure that as we grow, we have a company full of entrepreneurs uh, instead of a, a company full of employees who are really just following the, the boss. Um, and, and I've seen that. I, I had one, just an anecdote, uh, one meeting I was in that was really cool to watch. They had this one team, and there was this business unit that this team was kind of in charge of. And uh, in the span of about 20 minutes, they basically sliced the business unit into, moved a part of it over to another part of the company, uh, kind of restructured how it worked uh, in, in a pretty major way. So it was a, it was a big change to uh, an actual 
business unit, uh, one of their, their training business units. And uh, they did it in 20 minutes, uh, despite some very different opinions going into it. But the governance meeting process uh, and the decision-making method that's, that's kind of included helped them get to a clear output in 20 minutes that really restructured part of their business. And this wasn't – there was no executives in the room. This was a, a team somewhere in the middle of the organization in their prior structure that, that was charged with this. And uh, at the end of the day, they said, you know what? What we just did in 20 minutes, we've been debating about that and what to do with that business unit, and it's been causing lots of tension throughout the organization for years. It has been years, and all we've done is talk. Mm -hmm. And now within 20 minutes, we got to a a tangible concrete change that totally uh, shifted the way that that part of the company worked. Uh, And I think that's pretty magical. Yeah, it is. It's it's pretty incredible to to kind of see, and I encourage my listeners, I'll put up some links to the video of the talk that you did uh, to the Zappos group. But one of the things uh, you did is my good friend David Allen, and I've known David's, David since he was a one- or two-man operation. Um, you actually impressed him enough at one of your talks um, that you guys got together and David decided to implement this as well. Now, here's an organization which is not nearly as big as Zappos, um, what, what's kind of been the outcome there for David? Yeah. Uh, David, I think was one of those rare people that had the, the, the vision. He saw what holacracy was really, really quick. Uh, I mean, he wrote in the forward to the book, uh, he said flat out, he knew when he saw this, he just had to go deeper. It was a completely different way of looking at how to organize a, a company mm-hmm. and one that aligned with his own principles of getting things done really, really well. Um, and he also knew he was in for a big change. That you know, this is not like a oh, we'll just do it tomorrow and everything will be better. I mean, you can start doing it tomorrow and things will be better, but it's really a many-year journey, like any kind of major new you know life-changing shift. And and that's what holacracy is for a business. It's a life-changing shift. It takes years. And David had that foresight. So uh, there are many years into it now. Um, and I, I was actually talking to David. He, he came to one of the trainings we put on and just did a little kind of uh, fireside chat with me. And uh, he was just talking about the, the impact of it and how it, it um, you know, it, it, it's helped them get more clear and centered on the purpose of the company and organizing around that instead of around the personality of a leader. And David had the challenge of, you know, he was ready to transition out of his company right. and actually had tried once before and was not able to. And, you know, he realized uh, the reason he's having such trouble finding a CEO to replace them is he wants a business that doesn't need a CEO, but that has everyone involved that kind of gets the DNA of their company and the culture and all that free to lead their piece of it and work together and collaborate without needing somebody at the top that everybody organizes to serve as the the big personality, right? Mm -hmm. He wanted the purpose to lead, not the personality to lead. And, and Holacracy for him gave him that tool uh, so that he could actually start exiting and ramping down. And, and he still maintained some roles in the company, but nowhere uh, near what he was doing, you know, five years ago. And Well, no, uh, no, he moved from – uh, yeah, it's interesting because, I mean, he's uh, in Europe now um, spending yep. most of his time uh, with his uh, franchise situation. And he has Mike over in Ojai. Um, doing yep. operations there, so it's it's quite interesting. You know, you've implemented holacracy in large and small organizations. Um, is is this a process, Brian? That you would say to anybody? You know, hey, I can pick up this book, and I could read the book. It certainly doesn't seem like it, and potentially 
implement this new management system into the organization? It seems like it's one that would need a lot of help. Yeah, uh, so I, I tried to do a few things in the book. Uh, one was make sure that anyone anywhere in a company could read it and get something useful to take out of it. So there's right. a whole chapter in there, which is if you can't, if you're not in a position to change the entire power structure of your company, uh, you know, that's fine. Uh, here's all of the things you can take from Holacracy on your team or even in your individual work and, and apply them right there. So there's that for sure. If you really do want to take the deep dive, though, and do this for the whole company and really get a, a holacracy-powered organization end to end, uh, it, it definitely helps to have a good coach. It's yeah. the way I, the metaphor I use, it's kind of like any new sport. You know, the best way to play it and to learn it is not to read the rule book and study it, you know, and it, it's not to go out on the field with just the rules in hand and try. It's, it's to play the game with somebody that's played it before and well, you, to have a good coach giving you some pointers. I can certainly see you'd be a great coach for people and you've got others who've been trained within your organization, but it would require a coach. But one of the things you can take away from this book, and I did, um, and I think it's, it's, uh, it's, it's even a kind of a David Allen kind of thing because of getting things done, is this whole streamlining meetings. You have a very dynamic process that cuts through agendas and makes uh, for much more efficient outcomes. If you would explain a little bit, because it's such a paradigm shift, as you know, most people say, well, somebody says, well, go make the agenda, come to the meeting. Uh, the agenda usually is the agenda of the person that makes the agenda with very little inclusion and input from other people there. You really have turned it on its head. Um, and I really love your streamlined meeting process. Can you explain to our listeners a little more? Because if anybody picks up this book and if you don't get anything from Holacracy, you'll certainly get something out of Brian's streamlining meeting process. Yeah, it's a great example of what I really tried to do, which is, again, if you take nothing else out of it, if it makes your meetings go from painful to exciting, that's, yeah. that's a pretty big win in most yeah. teams, right? Yeah, it is. So, yeah. And just a one little simple example, and there, there's a lot in there about meetings and, and meeting process in there, but uh, just one little simple example, we tend to build meetings by, like you were saying, whoever called the meeting kind of puts out the agenda in advance, and we build the agenda based on topics that we think we should talk about. And if you just make this one change, try instead, build your agenda for a meeting in the meeting on the fly, not in advance, and instead of based on topics you think you should talk about, Tune internally and sense into what are the tensions you're actually feeling right now? You know, what's getting in the way of your work? What are the, the actual things that you can kind of feel in your body that sense of tension about? And build the agenda not of topics to discuss, but tensions to process. And if you make that shift, when you get to an agenda item, you have a clear owner, whoever's tension it was, that person owns the agenda item. And if someone else has another tension, they're going to add their own separate agenda item. And when you do that, you can start by just turning to that person and saying, so what do you need to resolve your tension? And then they can lead their agenda item. And we can just look for what do we do to at least move this tension forward a little. We don't have to discuss it to death and solve everything. And we don't let anyone else bring in all of their related stuff. It's just that person's floor to figure out what do you need to ask for from your team to get your need met to resolve your tension one step. And when you make that shift, you can get 30 agenda items done in a, in a, a 45 minute meeting uh, sometimes or an hour long meeting. And, and they just fly forward and you get so much more accomplished. Um, I like how you start the meeting, Brian, you, d you don't even, pardon me for interrupting, but you don't even no, start no. with an agenda. You basically, uh, go into a room and the organizer, you give people these roles for the meeting and you say, 
uh, you know, what is your, like you just said, your tension um, without an agenda? That actually creates the quote-unquote agenda for the meeting, correct? Yep. Yep, so, absolutely. Yeah. So it's, it's yeah. such a paradigm shift for people um, because that isn't the way they're used to doing it. And talk about really the efficiency then because what happens is you're getting things done uh, pardon the pun from David Allen. You're getting things done that basically need to get done, not things that are one other person's agenda items. It's the things that the team has to focus on. Correct? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and and that's a key driver. When it's not, we, we spend so much time going through the motions of talking about things we think we should. And, and, you know, when you just make that one shift to let somebody drive it who really needs something and who feels it right then and there, you know, and, and they're not talking about it forever and others aren't piling on. It's just that person's space. And it's really honoring of whoever's bringing up that agenda item. You know, it's their space to ask for what they need and get their need met. And it's their agenda item to lead. And then now, we'll check it off and we'll move to the next one. Do you have any place where our listeners can go to download ticks, to, I should say, tricks and tips about holding one of these meetings. I, I didn't notice anything in the book, and I thought maybe I'd ask you, is there something at the website where, you know, you've got a, a PDF or something like that on how to hold one of these meetings? Yeah, so there's a few. So in the book, you'll find the, the meeting process spelled out and described. Uh, on our website, on the holacracy.org website, you'll find uh, – in there, there's a link to uh, like a process guide uh, where you can kind of see the, the different processes. You can also, we have these little tiny laminated cards that you can just get one for everyone on your team. They're just a couple bucks each. And, um, you know, they're really nice to have that printed thing just to remind you. Yeah. Um, and finally, there's a video on our website, too, of the governance meeting you can find, um, which uh, is a different meeting structure and uh, has a pretty novel decision-making method. But it can give you kind of one glimpse of one type of meeting. Okay. So uh, holacracy.org for my listeners be a place right. to go look for these references. Now, one of your client companies, the CEO stated, Holacracy helped us to trans from a culture where everything relied on specific people to one where things rely on roles and practices. It's a question here. What has to shift in the mindset of the people in the culture to achieve this kind of transformation? You know, at an individual micro level, not the macro level, what is it that I, the listener out there, has to get to understand holacracy and being able to function with inside this new management system. Yeah, there's there's a lot. I have actually an entire chapter in the book just dedicated to that cultural shift and mindset shift. Yeah, and, and the 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 I'm one of many. There are many things, but um, if you can imagine in this environment where everybody has more autonomy to lead their roles, and the, the bosses uh, no longer exist in the way we're used to. We can't just look up to a boss to bless our decisions and lead us. It requires us to kind of step out of hiding in that system or hiding in the shadow of the boss and really lead. And so it, there's kind of a shift from the, the management hierarchies that we see today have this like uh, parent-child dynamic. You know, right. it's like the parental leaders and the child-like, uh, you know, employees. And, mm -hmm. and when you break that pattern with holacracy, everything becomes an adult-to-adult -adult relationship. So it's very similar 
to what people go through when they leave home as a child and then go out into the world and suddenly they can't look to their parents to shelter and protect them and make decisions for them. They have to lead their own lives. And, and yet we go into companies and we don't have to do that. We get to look to our parental boss to shelter, protect, and make decisions for us. And this changes that. And it's very similar to that shift of really stepping into self-leadership and self-ownership and self-authoring and author our own lives and lead our own roles. And that's a, a huge shift. And it, it can actually be really uncomfortable as much as it is empowering. Yeah, it's almost like, uh, you know, when you first break away or you leave home, right? And and you have to get your own apartment and you go to college and, you know, you're cooking your own meals and you're doing that kind of stuff. Yeah. My point is, is that responsibility and the authority and the decision making you have. So, you know, you now have this independence and this autonomy, um, but with inside this structure, which is really the whole holacracy system. And Brian, you know what? It's just been a honor and pleasure having you on the show to talk about this new management system for what you refer to as a rapidly changing world. We definitely know the dynamics within organizations is changing, uh, you know, so rapid and so drastically. For my listeners, um, we'll put references into the blog entry to uh, Brian's websites, but one of them is holacracybook.com. The other one is holacracy.org that he mentioned earlier. Um, and Brian, pleasure having you on, speaking with my listeners for a few minutes about this new management system. Um, thanks so much for being on Inside Personal Growth. Greg, thanks for having me.